would invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. That's our chapter of the Word of God that we've been studying during this um, these Sundays leading up uh, to Christmas. John chapter 1, and as you're turning there, we're going to be reading verses 10 through 14, and encourage you to follow along in your pew Bible. That's on page 886 of the New Testament, John chapter 1, verse 10, on page 886. And uh, one final announcement um, for the service of lessons and carols. Um, I will be enlisting or seeking volunteers of those who would be willing to read a portion of Scripture. There's about... Ten scripture readings, uh, all relatively short, some shorter than others. And uh, if you're interested in uh, taking part in the service in that way, um, just give me a call, see me today, and uh, I'll be glad that you're willing to volunteer. So, but okay, one more last announcement. Great food, sweet fellowship, and uh, the Lord is, uh, is praised there. But hear God's word. John chapter 1, I'll begin with uh, actually verse 9 and read through the 15th verse. This is the word of God. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers, flower fades, but the word of our God will stand through the ages. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we we thank you for your written word that we can read with our own eyes here, with our own ears. But we thank you even more for the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. We thank you not only for the glory of Christ, but the grace of Christ. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit as well. 
pray that you would be at work in our hearts, even today, Father, causing us not only to give you praise for who you are, but, Lord, leading us to to bear witness to the redeeming love of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. At Christmas, all Christians should rejoice in the holy and humble birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's glorifying to God when we gladly sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. But but at Christmas, let us rejoice not only in Christ's incarnation, but let us also rejoice in Christ's completed work of redemption at the cross. May we also reverently sing, as we have already sung, you know, who is this? Behold him shedding drops of blood upon the ground. Who is this despised, rejected, mocked, insulted, insulted, beaten, bound? Tis our God who gifts and graces on his church is pouring down. Who shall smite in holy vengeance? All his foes beneath his throne. We can rejoice at Christmas and for all eternity because of Jesus Christ, our gracious Redeemer. Uh, For Jesus, the Son of God, the glorious Son of God, came to graciously redeem his children. And the question before us is this how will we respond? To Jesus, the glorious and gracious Son of God. I would submit to you, we, you cannot remain neutral. You cannot be indifferent. You know, and here in John chapter 1, verses 10 through 15, we'll see three responses now to that gospel truth about Christ, our gracious Redeemer. Uh, the first one is one of rejection. Then there is one of reception, and closely linked to the one of reception is one of redemption. But if we begin with the rejection of Jesus Christ by his own people. And there's a note of sadness here in verses 10 through 11. You know, keep in mind all the verses that we've already examined, studied, Um, Earlier in in previous messages, we've focused on the glorious identity of of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. His eternal existence, his faithful revelation, his intimate communion, his full deity, his eternal equality with God the Father. Remember, Jesus was the creator of all things. He was an uncreated being. He was also our triumphant Savior, the one who brings light and life. Uh, He gives us cause for great gospel hope. 
And then the last Lord's Day, we looked at, at John the Baptist. We called him John the Witness. Uh, we see a response to this gospel revelation. And now, in contrast to, to John's response of being a, a witness, you know, we see a rejection of Christ. It begins there with verse 10. He, that is Christ, was in the world, and the world was made through him. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, Son of God, was in the world. But the world was, was also made through him. Even those little words are important here. In the world, the world was made through Christ. But that word world, you know, what, what's Jesus talking about here? What's scripture telling us? It's an important word in John. If you read through John's gospel, the the word world is used 185 times in the New Testament. Almost half of those are in John. Used 78 times in John's gospel. The world here is God's created world after Adam and Eve's fall into sin in Genesis 3. It's a creation that's alienated from God. And to take it a step further, it's a creation and creatures who are in open hostility to God. Yet God loves the world. It's the most well-known verse from John, for God so loved the world. You know, God loved those. God loves his sinners. He sets his love upon us in in Christ. So Christ was in the world. In summarizing that word world, Leon Morris put it this way, the sum of the divine creation which has been shattered by the fall, which stands under the judgment of God, and in which Jesus Christ appears as the Redeemer. You know, surprising, almost shocking. Good news here. And and what does scripture say? Yet the world did not know him. It's not only that they were ignorant. You know, the, the word knowledge there reminds us that the world did not listen to the word of Christ. The world did not long to learn about Christ. The world did not love the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we read in verse 11, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's from the King James rendering. Jesus came to his created world and to his chosen people. Yet there was no ticker tape parade. The Jews did not receive him. You know, there's a great sadness in in that truth. You know, the verse really summarizes the first half of the Gospel of John. You know, where Jesus is constantly being rejected by his own. But it really summarizes much of the New Testament and most all of the Old Testament 
D.A. Carson writes this, Again and again, under the Old Covenant, the prophets describe the recalcitrance of the people of God. And let me give you uh, the verses of Scripture that will help us understand recalcitrance. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 25 and 26. Jeremiah 7, 25. From that day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or inclined their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. And, and yet Jesus lovingly left his throne in glory to enter this wicked world. He came to proclaim gospel hope. He, he came to purchase our salvation by his sacrificial death for our sins on the cross. You know, Jesus came. It's another verse from a Christmas hymn that reads as follows. Come to earth to taste our sadness. He whose glories knew no end by his life, he brings us gladness, our redeemer, shepherd, friend, Leaving riches without number, born within a cattle stole, this the everlasting wonder, Christ was born the Lord of all. As you read through the Gospels, and even as you read through John, just pay attention to that little phrase, Jesus came. You know, it it marks not only his incarnation, but, but that's Jesus' method of ministry, always coming. You know, we tend to think of the crowds coming to Christ, but more often it is Jesus coming to those who are hurting and hopeless and lost. Luke seven fourteen, Jesus came to the funeral procession of a widow's young son and raised him from the dead. Later on in John's gospel, after his resurrection from the grave, Jesus Came. Those are the words. Jesus came to the upper room where his disciples had gathered, stood among them, and said to his fearful followers, Peace be with you. you know, Jesus still comes to his sad and sinful world with gospel hope. So we begin here understanding Jesus, our gracious Redeemer, Uh, by seeing the rejection of Christ by his own people. Now in verses 12 and 13, uh, there is a reception of Christ uh, by his true children. Verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Uh, There is a secure reception of Christ here. Now, what does it mean to receive Christ? You know, sometimes we as Christians have our own language that the world can't decipher. You know, receive Christ. Well, what does it mean uh, to receive Christ? Uh, We receive the gospel truths that have already been proclaimed here in John chapter 1. More importantly, we receive Christ, uh, the word of God. And as we are 
blessed recipients receiving God's grace in Christ. Look again there at verse 12. You know, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right. You know, that's really the emphasis of the verse. It's not on our reception of Christ, us receiving Christ. It's, it's Christ giving us the right. He, he has given us a, a new status in Christ. It's God's gift to his children. You know, again, Leon Morris puts it this way. The end of the story, that is the gospel story, is not the tragedy of rejection, but the grace of acceptance. You know, God gave us the right, the privilege, the honor of becoming children of God, God's own beloved and blood-bought children. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 puts it this way. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Well, you know, finally, helping us to understand this, what it means to, to have that, that faith and, and trust in Christ, you know, there's, a, there's another word there. Uh, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. To believe in his name means that we possess a saving faith in Christ. Uh, To receive Christ means that we receive the gospel truths about Christ. We rest in Christ's completed work at the cross for our salvation. We remember that we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We rejoice in the fact that we're a part of God's family. and, And it's a gospel promise. You know, here, here at Christmas we get a lot of toys and things and You know, if your children are like our children, you know, a day or two or a week, most of them are broken, batteries are lost, or something's missing. And so it's nice to have things that have a lifetime guarantee. You know, but but here God gives to us something better than a lifetime guarantee. This is a an unending guarantee of his grace. You know, once we are God's children bought with the blood of Christ, we are always God's children. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And lest we misunderstand that, look now at verse 13. We're still thinking of the reception of Christ by his his true children. It's not only secure, but it's sovereign. You know, this is God's work in our salvation, comforting us as his children. You know, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood. Literally, the, the word there is bloods, plural. You know, we're not saved by our lineage. You know, we're not saved by our, our physical descent. We're, we're not saved by something our 
parents, grandparents, great-grandparents did, not because we're descendants of Abraham, nor of the will of the flesh. You know, here it's speaking of married couples who may choose to have children, you know, but our inclusion into Christ's family does not come from our birth parents. Yes, side note here, we do believe in, in covenant families, the call of Scripture to baptize the children born to Christian mothers and, and fathers. You know, but, but our children are not saved by their baptism, just as they're not saved by their bloodline. And then there's a third, nor of the, of the will of man. You know, not, not because of a procreative or biological urge here, you know, but of God. There, there's a strong contrast. You know, we're, we're, we're his children, you know, by a gracious act of a, of a strong, sovereign, saving God who, who loves us in, in Christ. Salvation from start to finish is, is from God. Every person of the Trinity is involved in our salvation. God the Father chooses us in Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, becomes flesh, lives a life of perfect obedience, dies a sacrificial death for our sins on the cross. God the Holy Spirit then convicts us of sin, calls us uh, to saving faith in Christ. You know, this reception of, of Christ, you know, by God's gracious work gives us great security. You know, there, there's a, a wonderful promise here, being secure in God's love. A quick family story may have heard some of it, you know, Christmas of, of 1983, I meant to check with our family historian here, um, first Christmas with our daughter Danielle, our oldest daughter, a um, little over two months old, we drove, we lived in western Pennsylvania, drove to Buffalo, New York uh, to be with Lynn's family, had a three-day delay because of a lake effect blizzard along the way, a story for another time. You know, there was a glad arrival when we, uh, when we finally got to Lynn's home. Danielle, our first child, was showered uh, with gifts because she was our first child. It was the first grandchild in Lynn's family, uh, the first niece for Lynn's brother and sister. And, uh, you know, it was clear that she was a true child, you know, at least of the Fitzgerald side of the family. You know, Ridbecks, there were a hundred grandchildren already uh, on that side. You know, but there, there's a security in, in that, that love. Here, here God's word teaches us about the path to reception in God's family of faith. You know, maybe today you're, you're unsure you're, you're uncertain. Maybe you don't know. You know, what does it mean to have that security, that, that assurance of salvation? Well, here scripture tells us we, we receive Christ. You know, not saved by what we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. You know, we remember that God graciously gives us the right 
the, the privilege, the honor, the joy of becoming his children. Then, then our faith, our, our trust is, is in his name, his character, his righteousness. And we are comforted then, each and every day, knowing that we are his children, his beloved children, loved in Christ. So there's a rejection, there's a reception, finally there's a redemption. Here, verses 14 and, and 15. We'll preach on John 1.14, probably for a whole Advent season, one year. You know, but, but here scripture gives us the most clear, the most concise summary of Christ's gracious Glorious incarnation and his gracious work of redemption. If you're looking for a verse uh, to, to know, to have in your head and heart to share the gospel, learn John 1.14. Not only learn it, memorize it, meditate upon it, savor it. Um, you know, and, and quickly here, uh, just getting the cream uh, from this verse. Now, what does it teach us about Christ? First, the humility of Christ. The word became flesh. You know, the the eternal son of God left his home in glory, you know, to become flesh. He became man. And as our catechism tells us, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal Son of God, became man and so was and continueth to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. There's a semester's worth of theology right there. Um, The eternal Son of God became man. He became man without ceasing to be God. He, He humbled himself as he was born of a woman lived under the law, enduring all the miseries of living in a sin-fallen world. Yet without sin, why? He came to save us from our sins. He came because he loved us. He came to redeem us. He came in humility He came and and made this world his home. He dwelt among us. You know, this this wasn't a flyover visit. We know how our elected officials, yep, I flew over Louisiana, Mississippi, you know, Katrina, feel real bad for them. You know, Jesus came and dwelt among us. You know, one of the glorious titles for Christ is Emmanuel, God with us always with us, and we will always be with him. You know, th- think of a good shepherd, you know, who always stays with his sheep. You know, think of a mighty warrior, a military commander, who sets up tents with his troops. You know, he subjected himself, one commentator said, to to the miseries and calamities of human nature. No, to save us, to redeem us. And where's the hope? There, there is a humility, there's a home, uh, there's a hope of redemption, and we have 
beheld his glory. John doesn't just say, you know, I've beheld his glory, or a few select. You know, we, as God's redeemed children, we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, he he is a geyser of of grace, a, a gushing fountain of grace and truth. You know, God's not a stingy giver. You know, here's a penny. You know, drop a few coins in the Salvation Army kettle. You know, you know, God overwhelms us with his love. But there's a response required. Uh, you know, along with calling us to saving faith if, for those who are trusting in Christ, you know, look at verse 15. We, we are to be his heralds. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. You know, what's going to be our response, you know, if for those who are trusting in Christ, who know God's gracious, saving, sure love? We're to bear witness. You know, John the witness passionately proclaimed the glory and grace of Christ to a sometimes deaf, sin, suffering, and dying world all around him. He knew the greatness of his Redeemer. You know, he who comes after me, John the Baptist was born before Jesus, ranks before me because he was before me. He was from all eternity. You know, lest you think that I only savor ancient hymns of our Christian faith, and I'll confess I do have that predisposition, that tendency. You know, let me close by quoting, I'll call it a hymn, you know, by Keith Green, a Christian hymn writer, um, taken home to glory back in 1982, and he wrote a hymn, There is a Redeemer. He wrote it in 1982. I believe it was the last song that he wrote. But here, thinking about Christ our Redeemer, just a few lines. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. And then the next line, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, hope for sinners slain. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and sending your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Last line. When I stand in glory, I will see his face. And there I'll serve my King forever in that holy place. My prayer for you that your Christmas season would be a great time of rejoicing for your families with your loved ones. But there is no greater cause for rejoicing than rejoicing in Jesus Christ, our gracious Redeemer. 
Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. Thank you for sending us your Son, your one and only Son, your only begotten Son. Thank you, Father, for saving us from our sins. Thank you for Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that he is indeed our gracious Redeemer, Son of God, Savior of sinners. Father, may that give us cause not only for great rejoicing, uh, but Lord God, we we pray uh, that uh, you would be lovingly goading us, sending us forth to be your gospel witnesses. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.